Um, I want to really invite the Lord this morning. Um, the word that I'm going to share, this is something that for those of you who know me very well, I believe this is part of my ministry, but I sense that this is a time now to begin to teach on this series. Um, it's going to take a long time, so let's just begin to dwell into the word. But Father, we just thank you very much this morning, Lord, for the privilege for me to stand here and to share your word. Lord, I pray this morning that you will use my mouth to speak your word and your word only, Lord. If I have nothing to say, Lord, let me not speak, but I just want to speak only through you this morning. I thank you for those who are listening, and I pray that as I share, Lord, that you would give us more revelation of what is to come for myself and for those online as well. Lord, I also pray that through the word, whoever feel in the spirit to give their life to Jesus, Father, they will give them the opportunity to give their life to you. Father, we just this morning, we just want to welcome you, and this is definitely your church, and we are your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Thank you very much. All right. So, the title of my um, message this morning, which is a series that I started, that I'm starting it now, and over the next few months, when I have the ability uh, to, uh, to preach, I will focus on this word alone. It's called The Return of Jesus. Now, for those who know me very well, I'm uh, crazy about the return of Jesus. I'm actually, you know, I live for the return of Jesus, to be honest. When I became a, um, a young believer, a, a young Christian, um, the first book that I wanted to open up wasn't not the book of Genesis, but it was the book of Revelation. Now, I know for some people, when they hear the book of Revelation, they say, wow, this is scary. I don't want to hear about it. But truly, there's a tremendous amount of um, blessing when reading this book. Now, we know today, as we look at the world and, and, you know, we just have to get on our news, if you got your phone, anyone, we know that the world is a bit of a turmoil um, at the moment. There's a tremendous sense of fear as well, partly due to the COVID-19. And the virus seemed to be going on and on and on. I mean, I remember two years, two years and a half we're here, you know, when they were just mentioning about a couple of cases in the UK or 10 cases and asking us to, you know, if we wanted to shake, just fist, uh, you know, the elbow and so on. And we were making jokes because obviously we didn't know how, you know, serious these things would be. But sitting down here two years later and speaking about COVID-19, you know, I, I've done a bit of research. Um, there's been over 1.7 million people that actually died from the virus over the last two years. That is a lot of people when you think about it. And, and, and I think that we've, we've got to realize that this is something which is maybe... We thought it would last for a year, maybe six months to a year, but it is going to be going on. And the interesting thing is the fact that different types of strain are coming every year, every six months, there's a new strain on the virus. You know, we, we know about the Kent virus and the Indian virus and the Vain virus, the Delta virus. You can name it. You can name any names now. And they may go for the latest, the A virus, the B virus. But what it's basically telling us is that this is something which is quite serious and we need to take heed of what's taking place here. In the meantime, the world is going through a lot, a lot of changes. You know, a lot of very unusual things is taking place in the world, but also close to home, close to our lives. A lot of things are seem that scenes has gone to another level now. You know, we're looking at this world today. What it was 20, 30 years ago was very, very different. Um, I'm 
my late 40s now, but when I was in my teen or even 10, 11, 12, I could go to school on my own without any problem, you know? I would get on the tube in Paris and, and I would just go to school without thinking, I am, going, am I going to get robbed or am I going to get stabbed? But when you think about London, what's taking place in London, you always have to watch your right, your left and behind you when you're in London because of the rise of sin, the rise of criminality. Now, that raises a very some interesting question, the following question. And the first question, are we in the end times? You know, that's the question I hear all the time. Are we in the end times? Is he what the prophet in the Bible have been speaking all along? Is he what Jesus himself spoke in Matthew 24? You know? And Jesus tell us, the prophet tell us to look back for his return. To his return. We know that Jesus came to over 2,000 years ago um, as a man. You know, he was a very humble man and he came for one purpose. And his purpose was to save mankind. His purpose was to give us the opportunity to receive him and to be saved. To have a relationship with God again. But most importantly, to be saved from the pit of hell. But he's coming back. You know, his word said Jesus is coming back. There's a second coming. You know, they call it, the, the, the scholar call it the second coming of Jesus. And this time, it won't be a coming like he came. The first time, not many people knew when Jesus was born. As you look into it, few people knew about Jesus' existence when he was born. But when Jesus coming back, the whole world will see it. Everyone will see it. Right now, on my phone here, I've got my app. I've got Sky News. You know, I'm trying to be nice and be a good person. BBC News and all the French news. But I also love Sky Sports. Who loves Sky Sports here? I love Sky Sports. Yeah. Frankie, do you know who you support? Liverpool. So you get, you get notification when Liverpool scored, yeah? Yeah. That's why I support the team. That I'm not going to mention the name. They're bottom of the table at the moment. But I'm not going to say anything. Anyway, moving on. Um, yeah. So you get all this notification. But when Jesus returns, the whole world we know. They will see from the sky, but they also will receive notification on their phone, on their app, on CNN, whatever app you downloaded. Everybody will know when it comes. And we've, as believers, we need to be prepared for it. We need to anticipate his return. That's what he says. You know, Jesus likened the event prior to his coming to labor pain. This is what we are going through at the moment. The Bible speaks in Matthew 24 and 25. Rumors of wars and wars, pestilence, earthquakes, criminality rising, sins rising, brother turning against his brother. All these things we are not experiencing in our lifetime around us is not far-fetched anymore. Persecution that we're happening for Christians in maybe one or two countries, not happening everywhere. We are getting squeezed very slowly. See, I was blessed enough to witness the birth of all my children. And I know how painful labor pain is. You know, mothers, I salute you. I don't think I'll be able to hold that pain. You know, when I saw my wife going through the, the labor pain, and what it start? You got one labor pain, and then maybe two hours later, there's another one. 
And slowly they become shorter, 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 and shorter. And you know what it is? The reason why those labor pens are so short is because it prepared the mother to know that the baby is coming. The baby is coming. So the labor becomes shorter, shorter, and shorter. When it comes to Jesus' return, this is the same thing. We are going to see many things in the world getting bigger, shorter, shorter, event after event, to prepare us that Jesus is coming. As I was meditating on the word and a month later, a month early on to this, um, I heard in my spirit the Lord saying, I want you to begin to teach on the return, on my return, because I am coming quickly. And for some people who said, wait, you've been saying that for over 2,000 years, you know, and we still haven't come. But the reason he has delayed is to allow people to receive him as their Lord and Savior. His mercy, his grace, delay the outcome. Because when it comes, this is it. So God wants us as people of God right now, right, right here, to begin to prepare for his return. To begin to speak to your neighbor, to your work colleague. Even people that you don't necessarily like. You know, sometimes you may be on, on the tube, on the bus, or driving, or you may just walking by, and you get this feeling inside of you to go and tell that person that Jesus loves him, and that Jesus is coming, that you, do, you need to turn your life to Jesus. That is the Holy Spirit prompting you, telling you that this person is ready to hear. This person is ready to hear what you have to say. And it's not only the pastors who need to do that. It's not only the ministers or the leaders. Everyone. Each one of us, we need to do it. We have our part to play. I can't reach areas that Pastor Maker can reach. We all have a part to play. Even your children, young ones, the next generation. I know there's a lot of things put on you, the young generation, and, but there's a reason for it. Because the Bible said that you were born for such a time as this. It's very important. So as we're heading toward the return of Jesus, as I mentioned, we are beginning to experience more traumas, more events, more things are sometimes you're thinking, why, Lord? We've got to understand something. God is in complete control of everything. Regardless how the world is going, God is in control. It's called the sovereign will of God. It's all planned. God is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And we've got to understand that. According to the Bible, there are key events that will take place and affect the whole world when we're talking about the return of Jesus. Number one, I call it the rapture of the church. It's, first, it's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. And if we can put it on the screen, yes, he says this. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Verse 17. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in a cloud to meet the Lord in the air. And we shall always be with the Lord forever. 
the rapture of the church. Now, there are many doctrines. I'm not going to go through the doctrine today. That's not the, the purpose of my message here. But what I'm trying to say is this. God will come and take his church with him, his people with him. And he's going to be in a blink of an eye. For us as believers, what's going to take place is as God signed the trumpet, our body, what we have, our physical body will be transformed. And we take the same body that Jesus had when he resurrected. And then we will meet Jesus in the air. Those who have died, those who died in Christ first, they will meet Jesus. And those who are alive will meet Jesus as well. And that will take place just like that. Now, for those who don't know Christ, remember this phone and this WhatsApp or whatever message notification. They will see Christians all over the world just disappearing just in an instant. Can you just imagine the chaos that will take place in this world? You may be on a flight and the pilot is a Christian. The co-pilot is a Christian. And suddenly they're gone. What happened to the flight? What happened to the plane? People driving their car and suddenly gone. Taxi driver gone. The cleaner gone. The lawyer's gone. Could be even the prime minister gone. Who knows? If he gave his life to Jesus. What I'm trying to say is people are going to experience an event that they've never seen before. And many of them will be saying these things about, well, they'll be taken by aliens. It could be. You know, there's a lot of stories over the last two years when people seem to have seen sighting of UFOs and, and something. The TVs and, and movies are beginning to entertain us with the idea of extraterrestrial people here coming in. So it would be a very simple explanation. The Christians, they'd be taken by aliens. And they probably say, well, some of them probably say good riddance. I'm serious. You know, let's, let's talk area. But the truth is, that is going to happen. It's in the word of God. It's in the word. So you've got to prepare and understand that those moments will take place. The church will disappear. Now, the question is, is when? We don't know. This is why we need to be prepared all the time. You know, we've got to check ourselves out. You know, even this morning, I have to repent of certain things that I've done yesterday. You've got to continue to check yourself out. You know, where's Peter? Peter, he's, he's, you know, Peter, when it comes to cars, how many times do we need to check our car? Every six months, is it for MOT? Yeah, MOT, repair your car. You check your car every time because you want to make sure your car is worthy of driving on the road. As a believers, we've got to do our own MOT. We've got to check that we where we're supposed to be. You know, um, Ozzy was talking about forgiveness during the communion. If you got something at your brother and sister, just go, you know, go and make peace with him. Those are the things that may hinder us be taken with Jesus. You know, Jesus came to save. Jesus forgave. And we can't forgive. We won't get there. You know, I could be here sharing the word and just doing all the things, and all the media, all the stuff, and be involved so much in the church. And my heart is not right before the Lord. I won't be going. That is simple as that. All of us here, we are on the same journey, on the same boat. So, the first event, the rapture of the church. 
The second key event that people are going to experience and whether you believe that the rapture will take place before or after, the second event, and many, many people may not know that, is called the invasion of Magog against Israel. And that's found in the book of Ezekiel chapter 38. It's a very powerful story here. In a nutshell, what's taking place, you're going to see countries lining up against Israel and begin to invite Israel just like that, without warning. You know, when you go at this, the time, you know, there's always warning, we're going to take this. If you don't do this, we're going to come with a weapon and with our army. This army won't give any warning to Israel. They will suddenly, they probably would have worked together, took together what they're going to do. And one day, they're just going to attack. But God is going to intervene during that time. God's going to intervene and show his power. And the world will see that there is a God as well. It's a key event. Number three. The arrival and reign of the Antichrist, also known as the beast. Now, many people know, or if you don't, that during the end times, there would be a man that would come into this world and that would rule for a period of seven years. Now, originally, it would come as a man of peace. So people will allow him to come and will revere him. And by the time... He goes in that seven years called the Great Tribulation because he will impose his old system. He will impose his way. As a matter of fact, he will call himself God and he will want the whole world to worship him. Number four, there also will be a series of cataclysm, judgment falling on the earth. So we're talking today about what we're going through with the COVID-19. What they are going to experience in those times. COVID-19 is, is babies. COVID-19 is a baby, believe me. When God releases his judgment upon the earth, these people are going to cry. The Bible speaks that people were hiding in caves. They were, they were hearing the sound of the storm. You know, the, the thunderstorm, when you hear it, it's quite, you know, it can be quite frightening at times. They will be literally hiding into caves. Fear will grip them so much they will hide in caves. Number five. The Battle of Armageddon. Now, everybody know about Armageddon, doomsday there, you know, everybody calling. But what will, it, what will happen? That would basically will be the final war between countries for total dominance on the earth. That would take place in Israel as well. Then Jesus at that time will come, as we speak about the second coming, he will come, we judge the earth, and then, number six, he will establish a millennium kingdom. We're talking about a thousand years of peace on earth with Jesus. I'm looking forward to that time. Thousand years living on this earth. No war, no pain, and everybody will learn the ways of Jesus. The millennium kingdom. When we turn to Revelation 20 verse 4, it says this. And I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to church. And I saw the soul of those who had been beheaded because of the testimony about Jesus and because of the world. They are not to worship the beast or its image and had not received his mark on their forehead or on their hand. 
They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. I don't know about you, like I said in my late 40s, living a thousand years, that is a lot of years, you know? It's a lot of years. And living constantly in the presence of Jesus and teaching the world the ways of the Lord. You know, we, we're struggling here at the moment to tell people to live by God's ways. Can you imagine a thousand years? People will be coming in and be receiving and will be, you know, sharing all those words and those testimonies and, and all the people that died before Christ, they will be here on this earth as well, reigning with Christ for a thousand years. A thousand years. And then number seven, the last one, this is the last key event, is when after the thousand years, God released Satan again to deceive the nations, and then Satan will be completely obliterated. There will be no more pain, no more soul, and we will see a new earth in New Jerusalem. The beauty about this book, the Bible, it gives us a beginning and the end. We already know the end. We already know the end. And I think this is what I really want to point out. We know the end. We know the outcome. When I watch a movie, I don't skip to the end. I don't know what's going on. But we already, the Bible said that we already have the victory. Victory is there. And it's there. <laughs> we need to know and understand the time and season we are in. And right now, this is a season of preparation for the return of Jesus. Do you know that the early church, they were looking forward to the return of Jesus? You know, the, the, the early church when it started? They were going through tremendous persecutions. I mean, when we're talking the type of persecution that they were going through, I don't even know whether I could have stand that. Some were fed to lions alive. Some were burned alive or torched. There was one of these um, Roman emperor, a crazy one, very, very crazy. And um, he will, uh, as a joke, he will say, because the Christian comes and saves the light of the world, so he put Christian in his garden on stick and he light them up in his garden. As part of persecutions. Mothers, villages burned by the Romans. Because at the time, if you don't worship Caesar, you know, you're out. You're out of the game. And they will take pleasure. You know, for those we saw the passion of the Christ and how the Romans took pleasure to torture Jesus. Those hours that he spent with those Romans, drinking, drunk, and, and just enjoying themselves. They literally took pleasure to do that. So the, the Christians were going through persecution. You know, like some Christians, you know, going through persecution in the world today as well. But they were holding on to that word that Jesus would come back. That was the reason they were able to go through this. They knew that Jesus would return. They knew the outcome. You know, I think it's easier when we know the outcome to hold on to situation. When you're going through problems or burden or financial difficulties or bereavement or something, you got to hold on to that word of the final outcome. 
And I think for many of us that have been through this, that was kept us to know the final outcome. If, you know, if I didn't know that Jesus was coming back, if I didn't know that being saved means going to heaven, with all the stuff that's been going through my life, I think I would have capitulated already. I would have. They were holding on to the truth that Jesus was coming back, Jesus would restore it, and Jesus would bring peace. And that's why they were able to go through that time. And the book of Revelation. Do you know about the book of Revelation? It's the only, the only book who proclaim a blessing when you read it. It's the only one. There's no other book that tells you there is a blessing when you read it. Let's turn to it. Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. What it says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of his prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. Those are the prerequisites. You've got to read it, you've got to hear it, and you've got to keep that prophecy. That is the blessing. That is where the blessing is. I spoke to people and they said, oh, I don't want to read the, the book of Revelation. It's too scary. There's too many things going on here. I can't read that. But it's a blessing. He says this. Blessed is he who read and those who And then when you read it, read out loud. Read out loud. There's something about reading something out loud. There's something, when you read the Bible out loud, there's something that's taking place inside of you. The, 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 the words becoming live. So you've got to read it, you've got to hear it, and you've got to keep it. You've got to keep it. As we look into the book of Revelation, we've got to understand that according to church history, John wrote the book. John wrote the book. One of the apostles wrote the book. John was the one that Jesus loved. He's, he's referred to the apostle that Jesus loved. He was the youngest of the apostles. By the, time he read that, by the time he wrote that book, he was about 90 years old. Now, what happened to John? They were going through persecution, and uh, the Roman called him. They wanted to kill him. And they, they struggled to kill him. So they thought, do you know what? Have you ever boiled any egg? Who, who's boiling egg? Who's done the boiling egg? You've done it. Okay. How is it? Is it bubbling and everything, isn't it? All right. That's why they put John. They put John in oil. And they're trying to boil him like an egg. He didn't die. No, that is God. For me, that is God. He didn't die. So they didn't know what to do with him. So they, to get rid of him, to make sure that he can't talk, nobody can hear him, they sent it to an island, Patmos. We're not talking about Love Island or Barbados. No, no. We're talking a proper island when there's nothing there at all. So they sent him over there. And while he was over there, he received the revelation of Jesus. He had, he had a, a revelation of Jesus. Jesus appeared to him. And he saw everything. He saw everything. And that's what the book of Revelation is. You know, the book of Revelation... It is not a book about prophecy. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what the book of Revelation is. Yes, it speaks of the future and the coming of the Antichrist and so on. But the main purpose of the book of Revelation is to reveal Jesus Christ. And that's what we need to understand. 
Eschatology is a study of end times. But when we're looking at the book of Revelation, we see Jesus be revealed. Very important. The word revelation actually means to reveal, to uncover something which is hidden. So what John saw is so Jesus uncovered. He saw Jesus revealed. I mean, we look at chapter 1. It's a wonderful description of Jesus Christ. You read that description, you see Jesus in all his glory. You see the spiritual world as well in Revelation chapter 4. When we see the, the throne of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. You see the angels singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, almighty, who is to come, who come and is to come. We see the 24 elders bowing before God. We see Satan falling as well. He saw that. He saw the Jesus' final instruction to the churches in, in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 when he speaks to the different churches and giving last instructions, which we'll look into later. And he saw the future of the human race. He saw that. When people think about Revelation, they think about Antichrist. But I keep telling you, the primary focus of Revelation is not to reveal Antichrist, but is to reveal Jesus Christ. And that's what we need to understand. And God did not give us this book to scare us. He gave us this book to prepare us, you know, so we can be well prepared for it. How do we prepare? How do we prepare for such event? How do we prepare for the return of Jesus? I will take my time. There's so many things. But the primary things that you need is faith. You've got to believe. You've got to believe Jesus is coming. You can talk about all the things that you need to do. You know, I heard some Christians, they're going to hide in caves and waiting for Jesus to return. But you've got to believe first. How can you achieve something that you don't believe in? So if you want to prepare for the return of Jesus, you've got first of all to believe what the word of God is saying. You've got to believe that word. If Jesus says he's coming back, mean he is coming back. When God gives you a word, you need to hold on to that word regardless of the circumstances. The word of God is precious. What is faith? Just the ability to believe. That's what it is. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The NIV version says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And for those who want to read the NLT version, it says this, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. To simplify this, faith is simply having the confidence that the future things God has revealed to you in his written word or through prophecy or through word that you receive will unquestionably come to pass. Let me ask you a question. You guys are sitting on this chair. Are you 
100% sure that that chair is not going to fall, is it? Even if I tell you that I came here early on this morning and I see some wobbly chair and, and you may fall. Are you guys confident that you're not going to fall on the floor, honestly? Are you confident? All of you? That's what we need to be when it comes to the word of God. We've got to be so confident that whatever God says to us, regardless of the wobbling thing that's taking place around, regardless of the circumstances that you're going through, regardless of the traumas that you've been through, the word of God will not change. Stand on the word of God. If God has called you to move to a certain country within the next year, believe me, I would advise you to do it. I would advise you to spend time with him and to ask for strategies and move. Don't just, just go, just like that. But ask him. You know, what I love about Abraham, when God asked Abraham to leave his country, people believe that he just left straight away. He didn't. He waited. There was things that needed to take place. And these things need to sort out here. And then he left. God is going to call us to do things that we may feel uncomfortable to do. I'm telling you this now. He may ask us to do certain things that we don't really want to do or we're not very comfortable to do. For some of us, it may be to just change jobs. For others, it may be just a, a different location. But you've got to hold on to this world like you know that chair's not going to fall this morning because you're sitting on it. That's how you got to hold to the word of God. You know, we need to begin to switch our focus from caring about the where the things of this world to care about what God wants us to do in our lives. We need to switch that focus, especially in the season. I was saying about 2,000 years, we're waiting for Jesus to return. You know, this is over 730 um, days. 700,000 days. Days, that is a lot of days to wait. And he's still not here. And, and I know some of us may lose patience, may think, I can't wait anymore. But then when God said to Abraham that he will have a son, I think he was about the age of 70, 75 when he told him. Abraham didn't have his son until he was 99 years old. Sarah was 90 years old. And at that time, they lost hope. You know, Sarah decided that, you know, I can't wait. You know, first of all, she can't have a child. Secondly, she's too old. How is she going to sustain it? So she get a husband to go and create his own child. Who's a servant, Ishmael. And we know what the story created now. But God still promised the word and it still happened. Abraham was 99 years old. You know, 99 years old, listen, this is, this is an old guy, you know. And still be able to bear a child. That is, that is level. Sarah, 90 years old. The thing has dried, you know, a long time. She's barren. But still, God was able to create the opportunity for us to have a child. And they had a child, Isaac. And Isaac has two sons. And those two sons, Jacob's has 12. And they create the tribe of Israel. So God's word still came to pass, regardless of the circumstances. That didn't change. When I look at today, 
I've come to the realization that I'm definitely not the alpha and the omega, or the beginning and the end. Do you know that the world believes that they are the alpha and the omega? You know, they make their own rules, and they apply those rules, and they think what is best for everyone. But we've got to realize that we are not the alpha and the omega. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And we've got to begin to surrender everything to him. I want to hand with this. As we begin into this series on, on the return of Jesus, and, and next time I'm coming in, we'll be looking about obedience to the word of God. I want us to begin to raise our hand. If there's anything this morning that you may have felt, whether you're online or here, you may have felt that maybe you haven't trusted God, or maybe you're, you lost patience with some of the promises that God has given you, or maybe you're struggling, you know, with the idea that God is going to intervene in your situation. I, I just want you, don't need to raise your hand, just uh, in your heart, just begin to repent. You know, God really wants to help us. You know, he's, he's has such a great plan for us, for all of us. And the reason I'm saying this is because I struggled for many years to understand God's plan for my life. And at times, I made many mistakes when I accelerate his plan. You know, sometimes we like to do this. God is not intervening, so let me do it myself. You know, God, you're not quick enough. You're not fast enough. Let, let me help you, you know. This is the way we should do. But I want us this morning to really say, Lord, whatever you say. You know, that, that simple prayer, whatever you say. Shall we do this? Thank you, Father. Lord, this morning, we just want to thank you so much, really, for pouring out your word to us. And give us this opportunity to understand that your son is coming back. And Lord, we just want to repent this morning if we have made moves before you. Or we have done things that you didn't want us to do. Or maybe we accelerate your plan. Maybe we created a, another Ishmael, Lord. We ask for you forgiveness. And we just want to say to you this morning, whatever you say, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.